Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Hi, Cole. Hey, Bobby. How you doing? Not too shab. How are you? You know, great. You know, it feels and like we're better. somebody, huh? Uh, maybe. <laughs> but we'll let him just sit there for a while until we get through the introductions. Um, and I, we told him to hold his breath until it was actually his turn to talk. So it'll be interesting to see how he reacts when he actually is allowed to talk. But uh, welcome to the In the Clouds podcast, Bobby Tishy, Cole Fisher. Uh, we're really excited because we're kicking off our innovation series. And what this is, is a, a number of podcasts that will be with um, folks from Lev, um, customers of Salesforce Marketing Cloud, as well as partners of Salesforce Marketing Cloud. So uh, we're really excited to kick this off with Brian Esham, um, who leads Emerging Services, the Emerging Services team here at Lev. Um, so Brian, if you wouldn't mind just doing a brief intro um, of yourself, and then we'll dive into it. All right. Thanks, Bobby. Uh, that was definitely a long time to hold my breath, but I'm, I'm all right. So <laughs> you barely even hear the exasperated exhale. That's yeah, right. Gosh. Must be doing a lot of cardio. <laughs> yeah, I actually have the world record for holding my breath. Um, actually, that's not true at all. Um, so yeah, uh, nice to nice to meet everybody out there. Uh, so quick introduction for for me, um, as you know, Bobby. Thanks, as you said, I lead our emerging services team. So really, my role is um, centered around innovation and and how we look at you know new technology that's um, you know coming out of Salesforce or that they have um, you know brought into their ecosystem through a, a different acquisition. And then, you know, how do we help customers use that and, and use it to its fullest potential? So that's that's my role. And uh, what's your uh, astrology sign? Uh, I have no idea. That's a, <laughs> that's a fair answer. <laughs> that is the right answer, actually. That's the right answer. <laughs> uh, well, thanks again for joining us. When we think about innovation, um, and we were talking with Brian, about the specific things we wanted to ask him about. There are three main ones um, that Brian has had a big hand in coming up with and implementing. Um, one is around abandoned cart. Uh, next one is around Datarama and in- integrating that into marketing cloud, um, making sure we can get data out of there. And then also um, Interaction Studio and really being able to connect data across Salesforce. So for the first one here, Cole, I'll kick it over to you. Yeah. So, Brian, I wanted to learn a little bit more about the abandoned cart solution, kind of, um, you know, how we came up with it originally, what sort of spawned the need for it um, and, and how it's being leveraged right now. Yeah. Cole, that's a great question. Um, so <clears throat> what we've, you know, what we had heard really from a lot of our clients is you know, they wanted just a really simple way to you know, run an abandoned cart program without needing their IT team to do a lot of work or without having to worry about doing kind of all the data processing that's involved in, in finding somebody that has abandoned their cart. 
and there just wasn't really like a, a great way to do that that we had seen, you know, with with other clients. That's why we were constantly being asked, you know, hey, what's the best way to do this? Any any other ways to accomplish this? Uh, so in terms of, you know, kind of the route that we we took with that, um, and this is kind of one of my, I guess, one of the ways that I think about innovation is, you know, how do you how do you make something or how do you, how do you do with the tools that are available and maybe use them in a slightly different way? So, um, you know, the reason, or the, that's kind of the really reason why we came up with it, but then the how of how we came up with it is, you know, what are the tools that are available? So, you know, clients already have Google Tag Manager typically running on their site and looking at some of this data that is relevant to an abandoned cart. And Salesforce has Heroku out there that's great at spinning up small applications or, you know, very, very large ones um, and running those at that scale. And then you've got Marketing Cloud that sends the emails. So why not just pull them all three together, tie them together with kind of a custom application and, you know, be able to actually have a very simple abandoned cart solution. So that's really kind of the, the why and I guess the, the how that we, um, in, in terms of coming up with that, that offering. Very that's cool. Kind of, kind of guerrilla tactics of everything. <laughs> if they're in the Salesforce ecosystem, they've got all these tools at their disposal. How can we kind of piece this into a, uh, you know, a unique order and, and implementation to have some new capabilities that we haven't come up with yet, or we haven't been able to leverage before this. Yep, exactly. Very neat. Um, so abandoned card is kind of like the, uh, you know, the poster child of abandonment triggers, right? But like, what else? So are there like product or category, browse form abandonment? Like what, what other sort of abandonment products does this lend itself to? Yeah. Great question. And this is where it kind of gets fun because, you know, there's more innovation than happening within, you know, this innovation. So originally this was really centered around abandoned cart. And then as we're talking about it, you know, internally or with customers, um, then a lot of questions come up of, oh, well, can this, you know, watch if somebody, uh, maybe they don't actually do anything, anything with their cart, but they're just abandoning a browse or they started to fill out this form. They've abandoned this form. Um, and so it's really easy to then start to kind of abstract it away and, and think of it more as a, um, you know, hey, somebody took this action, but they didn't take this other corresponding action. And that's who we want to really look at it. So there's a lot of different things you can do with it when you think about it in a more kind of abstract way like that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty great. And I, I feel like too, abandoned cart probably has, you know, gets the most credit for like significant revenue impacts. Like if you want to impress somebody, like if you impress a marketer, like build an abandoned cart, uh, you know, program where, and tie revenue, uh, you know, uh, to it. So, Cause like the amount of revenue that, is tied to abandonment campaigns is really big. So kind of the, the, my question to you is, um, you know, aside from just seeing lots of bottom line revenue impacts, how is it helping a lot of these um, Salesforce marketing cloud customers? Yeah, that's, a, that's another good, good question. Um, so I would say, I would say how it's helping customers outside of just adding to the bottom line. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it can be a really good kind of user experience. So if you set up your abandoned cart program and your email is really nice, it's a great way to give somebody a, you know, coupon for, you know, $10 off, $20 off a certain percentage um, and really help build some loyalty there. 
Um, I think it's also helpful from a like maintenance perspective. So the way that we built the tool is just very, very lightweight. It doesn't require a lot of maintenance, didn't require IT to get involved and do a lot. So it's adding value um, and kind of removing some you know headaches or maintenance on the client side. So they don't really have to worry about this tool that's out here running. It just kind of, it runs and it does its thing. Um, and it's pretty sim- simple to, to keep going. Yeah, it's it's nice to have hands off, constantly running uh, program, especially when it's you know something that ties that well to uh, to revenue. So that's 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 big, man. Very cool stuff. The, the second solution around Datarama and integrating to marketing cloud, I, I think is relevant, especially with some of the new releases that Salesforce has had, where there's going to be it kind of looks like Datarama is going to be the email reporting dashboard within marketing cloud proper, but obviously there's still a ton of other use cases for connecting marketing cloud data to Datarama. So curious why, initially why you came up with the solution and how you came up with the solution. Yeah, so this was early on, uh, shortly after Salesforce had purchased Datarama and going through that acquisition. And again, you know, clients here, hey, Salesforce, you know, has purchased this, um, you know, business intelligence tool that really shows me all of what my, you know, marketing campaigns are doing. And separately, they've already got, you know, marketing cloud up and running and they're sending lots of emails. So, you know, very quick, you know, question from clients was, well, how do I connect the two of these together and see, you know, what somebody's doing, um, you know, see in Datarama, what people are doing with, with emails. So that, that, that um, kind of need was there pretty much right away. Um, and again, you know, we're looking at it from a, you know, how can we solve this problem, you know, easily? What, what can we do with existing tools? Uh, so again, this is um, kind of an interesting way that we approach this. And it's something that I think it's helpful to kind of think about when we think about invention and, and innovation is, you know, what's, what's the right way to do it? So initially when we came up with a solution, it involved creating a Python script that would actually run inside of Datarama and go pull data from Marketing Cloud. What we didn't really think about was, you know, can marketers maintain this? I don't know about you guys. I don't know too many marketers that um, write Python code on the side and are, are going to maintain that. So we actually somewhat abandoned that solution a little bit and came up with something that was maybe a little, um, maybe a little less elegant, but ultimately much more maintainable. Where it just involved using some of the existing, you know, import/export tools within Marketing Cloud and Datarama to move some data back and forth between the systems. So kind of had two different rounds of, of, you know, innovation and kind of solutioning, you know, in, in that, uh, in connecting those two different platforms. So the, the more updated version, what does that, what does that solution look like? Yeah. So it's really using the power of automation studio and marketing cloud where we can go write a bunch of SQL queries. We can get the data packaged up however we want it to look like, and then drop it out on Datarama's FTP. Um, And that way, you know, it's something that those that are already familiar with marketing cloud, they already know how to do a lot of that work. So it's really kind of what's already there. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That's great. And I would think too, because one thing that we always talk to when we're talking about folks who are, are looking at Datarama, you know, it's never that they just want to use Marketing Cloud as a single source or anything like that to build out their dashboards. It's how do I get my sales and service cloud data in there as well? Or how do I get um, my data that might be in a data warehouse, but it's already connected to Marketing Cloud, which solves for those situations too. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right. We've got these tools. Let's connect them. Let's, let's use them to their uh, fullest potential. For sure. Awesome. That's great. So Brian, one of my favorite things about, about your job, actually what kind of what makes your job so cool in emerging tech is that anytime something new comes across from Salesforce or a big acquisition, like you get to go and figure it out and then be like kind of on the forefront of all the problem solving that goes on with like, how does a solution fit into everything else? And so uh, one of them was um, Evergage, the acquisition of Evergage, which then became Interaction Studio. And with all these cool capabilities of like real-time interaction management, um, I, I, I got to geek out on, on a little bit with you on like how we were training up and learning about it. Um, but then came the, you know, the challenge of how do we connect all that data across the entire Salesforce ecosystem? So like stitching identities, where data is being stored, things like that. And so uh, you came up uh, upon that pretty early as, as a challenge. So I was kind of curious to hear, you know, how you solution for that and, um, you know, what we came up with uh, in terms of some of the use cases of, of how we deal with that, uh, especially around like identities. Yep. Great question. So this is where it's kind of somewhat interesting of, like you said, on being on the forefront of some of this technology is there's lots of, you know, integrations planned and a lot of things that are going to be, you know, really, really cool that you can do between Interaction Studio, Marketing Cloud, uh, Service Cloud, and tying all this together. But again, you know, customers that are kind of on the forefront of that, they want to do it now. And, you know, they're not necessarily willing to wait for kind of a more robust solution. So a lot of times that's where some of our innovation comes into play is trying to you know, do some of those connections um, you know, right now until there's something a little more robust in the, in the future. But yeah, so what we were looking at here is um, really being able to um, think about you know, kind of that whole flow of a, of a user so that when somebody you know, comes to a website and they fill out an email capture form that Interaction Studio presented to them. Instead of storing that just with Interaction in Interaction Studio, you know, let's also send that over to Service Cloud so that we've got a record created for them in that system of record. And then that should flow back to Marketing Cloud so we can start to you know, put them on a welcome journey. So again, there's a lot of things there where you know, we, we can kind of be a little, a little innovative and find different ways to kind of pass that data back and forth again with those existing you know, tool sets that are there. Very cool. So where do you kind of, and, and off the cuff a little bit, where do you kind of draw the line of, hey, this is an innovation right now that like you guys, this is functionality we need. Uh, you know, this email acquisition really should go into sales cloud. That's where we need to live. And we need to, you know, populate it in marketing cloud from there under that same subscri subscriber key. Like, you know, where do we find is the delineation of like, hey, this is a capability that's on the, on the roadmap we should hold off on this, or this is going to be something that we shouldn't have to, we shouldn't innovate for just yet versus, you know, in the case of like that, that pop-up form where we're actually sending that, you know, leveraging cloud pages and sending uh, data into sales cloud, then into marketing cloud, as opposed to, you know, 
keeping it as is in sort of the, the base model of Interaction Studio where data used to live in that, in that instance. So question is, where do you, where do you kind of delineate or advise a Salesforce customer to say like, yes, this is something we're, that's worth innovating around right now versus this is something that's roadmap and it might not be worth building one way and then rethinking later on down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's def- there's always kind of that risk that you may build something that's obsolete. And, you know, for me, I'm okay with that. In fact, I hope that the things that we build that are innovative ideally become obsolete later and they're just kind of standard, you know, that's, that's a normal thing to do um, from a, a product perspective. I think the advantage of really looking at something early and coming up with maybe your own solution is you're going to learn a lot about how things operate and how things need to operate. So for this, you know, particular, you know, example of trying to connect Interaction Studio and Service Cloud and Marketing Cloud, by by doing, you know, this kind of um, custom process, we can learn, you know, what are the what are the pitfalls, what are the scenarios we might run into that could cause problems, and how do we account for those? And then we can give that feedback to the product team, back to Salesforce, so they can use that in developing kind of the actual robust functionality. I think if otherwise it's, um, you know, if you don't really have any hard data or hard, you know, experience to rely on, it's it's really just, you know, kind of sitting in a room and trying to think of, oh, what are the possible, you know, failure points or what could happen if we had this thing out here? So. Yeah, and I think that's one of the underrated things that, that we don't may, maybe realize upfront, especially around your position of like that feedback loop with Salesforce of, hey, you know, this is something that that we're doing. This is something we've seen, and you know, product roadmap. This is something that a lot of customers are asking about, or mm-hmm. this is how we're solving for this. And and to your point, I think you I think you said it well. When it's, you know, it's it's essentially business use case driven. So if it has business value to the customer, this is something worth doing. And if it becomes obsolete later on, if it becomes an out of the box um, feature for Interaction Studio or whatever piece of technology we're using, great. That's that's fine, and it never our our business impact was never impeded. So we never actually lost out because of this. Like your point, I would much rather allow something to be replaced or sunset by natural out of the box features than limp along without it right now when it's providing value. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think of that as being a pretty big compliment, actually. That if if you build something and it gets replaced, you know, it's so valuable, so helpful that it gets replaced with standard product functionality, then apparently you were on the right track. Yeah, it definitely is. And something you've come up uh, against a number of times, I know. Yep, yep, for sure. Well, thanks a bunch, Brian. Those are great. Um, yeah. Looking forward to seeing what else you have come up as well. Um, as, a, as the ending of each of our podcasts, we have a completely unrelated And today's is, who's your famous best friend? And what I mean by that is, who is is someone that um, is either, well, I guess they don't really have to be a celebrity, but someone who you think you'd like to have as your best friend, or in your mind, they're your best friend, they just don't know it yet. (laughs) Bobby stocks a lot of celebs, so (laughs) list is long and distinguished. All right. Uh, well, yeah. Do you guys want me to go first? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. All right. So that's a, it's an interesting question. Um, I'm going to pick somebody that I probably would have a lot in common with. So I'm going to go with a comedian. So uh, Mike Birbiglia. 
I feel like he and I would get along really well because he usually has a lot of awkward encounters and awkward stories. And I feel like that's, I've got, I can relate to that. I feel like they have that a lot. So, um, you know, I find myself in, in, you know, awkward situations or, or saying the wrong thing. So that would, are you awkward? Uh, apparently. So, (laughs) or, I also just think that I'm hilarious. I'm probably about half as funny as I think I am. And uh, so we'd probably get along in that area, at least. I'm pretty sure just about every guy thinks they're hilarious. Every, I think every guy thinks they're hilarious and also thinks that they could fight. Like if it came down to it and there was a rumble, be like, I'd be okay. Oh yeah, for sure. Totally. <laughs> Cole, what about you? Uh, Bobby, Bobby strikes me as the type of guy who walks into a room and was like, yeah, I'm funnier than anyone in this room and I can beat them all up. So I got that going for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, only when uh, I walk into an empty room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my celebrity best friend, you know, I, I, I guess the first one that popped out to me, uh, and if you're a local indie, you'll probably appreciate it more, would be Peyton Manning. Um, I don't know. I just think he's he's a huge goofball. Um, I, uh, I've heard stories, apparently he's a pretty fun guy off the field. Um, but I think retired Peyton Manning probably has to be, I just imagine like meld all of the, um, funny one-liners and personality you see in like all of like the commercials that he's still in. Um, and I, I just kind of imagine that's what it's like hanging out with him. So yeah, that, that's probably my, my go-to. Have you seen Peyton's places? Uh, you know, I'm not, I've seen the ads for it, but okay. It'd, it's pretty good. Cool to, yeah. It'd be cool to hang out with him and hang out with somebody who has a bigger forehead than me. So <laughs> <laughs> so i'd rival I'd him to, though i would rival that I, i'd love to see the ruler come out and be like oh. <laughs> i think mine mine? mine would have to be uh there's this uh world famous podcast host um, his name's cole fisher and uh i think you know i think he and i would get along pretty well uh, i he seems to have a pretty a good sense of humor <laughs> what's that so i heard that guy's a chump <laughs> no talent i I, I would actually go with a, another comedian as well, uh, Nate Bargatze, who I think he actually has a, an, another Netflix special coming out soon. But uh, just very, um, like my my favorite kind of humor, just very like low key, like just really funny situations. Um, and he seems like he'd be a fun guy to hang out with. Like I've heard a few interviews of him as well. And um, I mean, I don't know if he would be able to beat everybody up and be funnier than everybody the way I am, but uh, I think it'd be fun to hang out with. Well, and you could take him, so, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's a benefit, exactly. too. That's, that's just yeah. good friend chemistry right there. Maybe if I like, if he and I became friends, I could be his muscle. <laughs> there you go. You <laughs> bouncer. Hey, Nate, a flabby, unskilled fighter as your muscle? oh man awesome well thanks again brian really appreciate it i love learning about the abandoned cart solution and the integration with datarama as well as interaction studio so keep up the great work really appreciate you having having you on yeah happy to be here thanks guys yeah thanks a lot brian